In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the High Ground News on the Ground podcast, where community leaders share with High Ground News' embedded journalists their on-the-ground insight about what's moving Memphis neighborhoods forward. This podcast is powered by The Daily Memphian and the OAM Network. I'm Emily Trenum. I'm the publisher of High Ground News. And it's really my pleasure today to welcome two friends and longtime colleagues of mine in the community development world, Steve Lockwood from Fraser CDC and Amy Schaffline from United Housing. So welcome, you guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Emily. So we've got a pretty meaty agenda. (laughs) Um, But first, I wanted to give each of you just uh, a minute just to tell us a little bit about your organizations, kind of your elevator speech. We're only going a couple floors. So, (laughs) but Amy, why don't you start and just tell tell, uh, our audience just a little bit about United Housing. All right. Well, United Housing is uh, 25 years old, so we've been around for 25 years doing mainly financial education and coaching around home ownership and how to get individuals involved in figuring out how they can become a homeowner. Uh, we've also done some real estate development, mostly single family for home ownership, uh, new construction and renovation. And we are also a community development financial institution. So we are a nonprofit lender that can provide some financing tools uh, for individuals to achieve their dreams. Great. Steve? Well, Fraser CDC is 19 years old, and I've been there 17 of those years. Um, our bread and butter is acquiring blighted houses and totally fixing them up and selling them or renting them to uh, new residents of Fraser. Uh, that's going pretty well. We're selling a lot more houses than we used to. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And, but we do a raft of counseling as well. So we do homeownership counseling and uh, foreclosure counseling and other kinds of financial literacy. And we just put an addition on our building because we were outgrowing the building, which is good. I see that addition. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So our topic today is home ownership in Memphis neighborhoods, and that's a subject that's near and dear to, I think, all of our hearts, and the three of us have discussed it many times. So I want us to start out and talk a little bit about, um, I guess, ownership in neighborhoods. There was an article recently, which a lot of people have seen in the Washington Post, about about the uh, about Memphis and the large number of investor-owned properties. And just wanted to ask, Steve, maybe starting with you and then Amy as well, um, what's the, you know, how does the change in neighborhood, how does the ownership uh, of homes in a neighborhood, who owns them, uh, affect the neighborhood? You know, it's pretty, there's multiple answers to that. Um, The the standard sort of sociology answer is that people aren't invested if they're they're, um, tenants, uh, but it's, it's much more than that. Um, you know, we've had a real transition over the last 10 years from being probably 65% owner-occupant for the single-family houses to probably more like 45%. And it's ended up with a, a lot of empty houses. And, and, and in truth, I mean, there are plenty of great tenants, and we know that. And there are plenty of good landlords, but there are plenty of bad landlords as well. But I mean, on the on a real real estate level, it knocks the values down considerably. 
Um, it changes the stability of the neighborhood. Folks, I don't have the stats, but instead of living in one place for seven years, they probably live on an average for 16 months or something. Um, so it, it just, um, I think it hurts the, the stability of the neighborhood as much as anything. Well, then, Amy, so so what, uh, the, the flip side of that, why is homeownership so important to the strength of a neighborhood? Well, I just want to talk for a second about this huh, Washington Post article. And what that was really going into was the backlash of 2008 in the subprime market and how it affected the minority neighborhoods, especially mm-hmm. by targeting those neighborhoods. Yes. And then what ends up happening is you have a huge loss in wealth uh, among minority homeowners that are now being rented to by the investors that bought up those homes in bulk. Um, Some of them renting their former, the home that they that owned. That they owned, right? And in a lot of the times, the rent is higher than what they were paying in their mortgage. Uh, so what does that do? Steve was exactly right. I mean, it's, you're not as stable. You're not as in control over um, the rents that you're going to be paid. You know, if the, the landlord or the owner could at any time say, I'm going to go ahead and just sell this, you know, to maybe another investor who might come in and raise the rent. I don't know. So you kind of have this precarious way of living that you, you're, you feel a little more off kilter. Your kids may have to move more often, move schools. Um, so it has a huge um, impact on you know the wealth gap, and it has a huge impact on the neighborhood just because you may not, you know, if you have people moving in and out, you may not be able to get to know your neighbors as much as you might have used to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's part of that. <laughs> okay, great. So circling back, circling to home ownership and, but still talking really about neighborhoods, so in a neighborhood like Frazier and other lower modern income neighborhoods, what are some of the particular challenges to bringing up the home ownership rate? Assuming that we, we, we agree, and I, and, and I think you say from a sociological perspective, people do, home ownership is good for a neighborhood. So how do, we, how do we bring the rate up? And then what, first of all, what are the challenges to doing that? You know, again, those, those challenges have evolved even over the, just the last two years. Um, Two years ago, in neighborhoods like Fraser, we couldn't get mortgage loans for owner-occupants to save our life. Um, I sort of was shocked about three years ago when my my favorite realtor said, "You know, when we list a house at thirty-seven thousand, I don't even try to find a homeowner because I know if I find one, I can't get them qualified for a loan." And the light bulb went on, and we went, "Oh my lord!" Um, there's been tremendous progress since then. So mostly to the credit of the regulators who leaned on the banks to uh, highly incentivize them, shall we say, to to make loans in, in the really low-value neighborhoods. Before that, we couldn't get loans for uh, under $50,000. And the average price of a house in Fraser, we've gotten a lot of press just, just in the last week or two of being a, a fast-rising value neighborhood. We're all the way up to 42 for the average sale price. So until banks would make those small loans, uh, we couldn't make it happen. That bridge has pretty much been crossed, and we're, we're, we're doing better on that. There still are challenges with people, uh, the kind of folks who live in Fraser and getting their credit up to par. Um, we're doing better with that. Uh, the final challenge that we were talking about before the mics went on is that 60% of the houses on the market are tenant-occupied. They've got folks in them with leases and, and the like, and if they go on the market, an owner-occupant can't buy that house because they basically don't have the tools to wait for eight months while the tenant 
finishes up their lease and all that sort of thing. So we're and we can talk more about it as we go. But finding tools to convert uh, rental properties to owner occupied properties is a challenge that we have not mostly we haven't solved yet. Well, that's one of the things that's always so, so interesting to me is that it's. I mean, I think for a lot of people who live in Memphis, probably ourselves included, one of the things that people see as advantageous to living in Memphis is that the cost of living is lower than a lot of other parts of the country, and yep. real estate is is lower. And that's, of course, that's a plus if you want to, you know, have a, a nice sized house more than you could afford in sort of a New York or California. But I don't think people who enjoy that. I don't think understand that really at the neighborhood level, sometimes the real estate is extremely low cost and and it's a huge opportunity for people to own homes for, and I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I want to talk about some of your programs and strategies. We'll get to sort of the cost, but but I don't think people realize that that's a, it's a huge opportunity for our community to to get more people into home ownership. And, and Amy, go ahead. You're the guest and I'm not, but I'm just editorializing here. <laughs> well, yes, I think you're you're right. I mean, there's a lot of affordability here, but a lot of that uh, that affordable inventory isn't available to, say, our customer. So our customer, you know, they usually buy a house between 60000 and 120000 Well, usually that home is, you know, could be tenant-occupied and owned by an investor. So the, the inventory is so tight right now that at that price point, um, it's just not available to some people. So I didn't realize that. So, so, so if it's, if investors are selling property, it's difficult for because they're selling so many at the same time, they're selling like a hundred. Is that what? Or it's just no. They got tenants in them. I and mean, they have tenants in them. Okay. Yeah. And so they're yeah. not available for a, an individual homeowner that might want to buy them. Um, they're they're looks. It sounds to me like their investors look searching for other investors to take over the asset, right? Or they're and and they're not treating it like uh, let's see if we can get an individual homeowner in this house. It's not like that. And so those when if you did have an individual that might want to buy that house, it's I don't. I don't know if they'd have to wait around. They'd have to. Right. I mean, they they are going to have to tell have the to tenant to get the out. Tenant. Yeah. And so it's like I don't know. And then I think one of the things that Steve and I were talking about is, that, well, what about that tenant that's in that house? How could they uh, buy the house from the landlord? And I think, you know, it takes time for some people to get to where they need to be in order to get a mortgage loan. And then a lot of the times, the owner may not want to take the time to wait for that person to to get to where they can uh, buy it. Um, and so I think, you know, I don't know, I think it's our job, you know, to try and prepare them as quickly as we can in terms of credit counseling and home buyer education and seeing what kind of incentives there are like down payment out there that they may not have. Um, but yeah, so that's a, it's a challenge. It's affordable and it's a great opportunity, but it is a challenge with the inventory that we have. Well, and Emily, to back up a, a, a second, you know, if it's affordable for buyers, and, you know, neighbors like Fraser are actually undervalued at the moment. So with an average sale price of 42, really, that's why it's going up 25% a year because the market is recognizing. But it's not just affordable to homeowners. It's affordable to investors. Right. And Memphis as a whole got 
flagged as as a great deal for investors. Mm-hmm. And we have this unique situation, and, and Fraser is sort of the, the ultimate of this, where it is far less expensive to own a house than it is to rent. Um, and we could go into this, but I we've gotten, again, some press with a, a sale we had the, recently to an elderly couple, and they bought the house they're already in, and they went from renting for seven fifty to buying for three forty four. Well, is that the house that we? What really prompted me to in, invite the two of you on the podcast today was the article that High Ground News wrote just a couple of weeks ago about your success in Fraser. And if people haven't seen that, I encourage everyone to go to highgroundnews.com. You can. We actually have a little pull down for Fraser at the top under the underground tab, and you can see all the articles about Fraser. There have been many, but the most recent one is about a family, a couple you, you sold a home to, and is that the same ones you're talking Different about Different one. We've done multiples. We sold three houses in November to existing tenants, and they all ended up cutting their housing costs in half. But on the other hand, most of the sales that are taking place. Now, our home ownership campaign, which we haven't talked about yet, but it drastically raised the number of owner-occupants who are purchasing just because we getting the word out that you can be really quite low income and still afford a house in, in Fraser is important. But on the other hand, the the investors are still beating our time terribly. Yeah. Well, I think it was like something like 38% of all of the sales last year were investor sales. Yeah, but look in Fraser, it's more like 90%. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, that's still for the city, though. That's a huge amount. Yeah, that's investor right. Yeah, purchases. I mean, there's one investor, and by the way, I know this guy, who has done 800 houses in Fraser. Wow. Now, the good news is, and I'm not going to call out his name, but the good news is he takes really pretty rough houses, generally empty, abandoned type houses, and he fixes them up well and he puts families in them, and he manages them well. So he's not the bad guy here, but the investors are beating our time big time. Well, let's talk about your homeownership campaign. Um, That's a great transition because you started this, I guess, probably three years ago. Yeah, it was was, uh, 22 months ago. And it's multiple prongs. So kind of take us back to the beginning and tell us what you decided to do and why, and then how you got to where you've gotten now, which has been a lot of success. Yeah, it, it really actually, again, started with that realtor saying to me, when we list a house, I don't even try to get an owner-occupant, and I just went, what? That's not right. So we started out by going to the banks, and that was, that was one of those rare occasions where it was a lot easier than we anticipated. So the banks really went, oh, yeah, we want a loan there. And, and I've spent a lot, of time, a lot of time talking to banks, and I guess here's my little pitch. We have a, a website that lists a bunch of our favorite uh, lenders on there. It includes Amy, by the way, and United Housing, but a number of other loans that are just real appropriate for the low-cost neighborhoods, and that's at FraserHomes.com. And if you're in Whitehaven, you can still use those lenders, of course. Um, but then we were very fortunate um, we got a – significant grant from the Hyde Foundation to kick this thing off. And they just kind of had faith in us. And what what was kind of unique was we weren't out to sell our houses or Amy's houses. We were trying to sell the whole darn neighborhood. Um, And we've tracked it pretty carefully. So this doesn't happen on its own. We've 
spent $140,000 on, on media exposure. So we, and if you're listening to this, you've probably seen our billboards up um, downtown, Crosstown, and Fraser. And our main slogan is uh, don't rent for 700 own for 480 And, of course, we're actually selling houses for 344 it turns out. But that's still our slogan. And we had a secondary slogan on the radio. We, had, we bought a lot of radio time. It said, if you make $10 an hour, we can sell you a house in Fraser." Because we had to get the word out that, you know, you might be paying $700 in rent and you might be finding that difficult and you're scuffling to do that. So you probably aren't thinking of yourself as stepping into home ownership, but that doesn't make it right. You actually have a shot at that. It doesn't make it easy, but if we can get your credit cleaned up, then then you can cut your housing costs. And that's really our objective to get folks into stable, really low cost housing. So the bottom line is um, for all of the the obstacles, the obstacle particularly being all the rental housing, we we jumped the number up of owner occupants in three eight one two seven from four a month before the campaign to ten a month after the campaign. That's amazing. Yeah, it's not enough, but um, and and it is something that I mean, we, this is nothing unique to Fraser. I think all of the low the low value, good value neighborhoods. Um, should be able to pick this up without $140,000, mind you, mm-hmm. and uh, and run with it. Well, and I think you said exactly one of the obstacles, too, is making it easy for people to see, mm-hmm. I can I can become a homeowner. Like Because if you're making $10 an hour, um, you maybe you're not thinking about that. you know. But I think there's a lot more people out there that can become a homeowner and just don't know it or don't know what tools they might need or where to get those tools uh, so that they can be a homeowner. So I think mm-hmm. that is a huge kind of mindset obstacle for a lot of people. Well, so, so for our sorry, but so for our venue, we actually have a relatively new employee. Her name is V, and her job description is pre-purchase counselor. And I tell people that our employees, her her job description is really the simplest. She's simply there to remove obstacles to home ownership because these, you know, the people that that Amy and I and and our business deal with, they're unskilled and perhaps not terribly confident home buyers. And so we we have a woman on staff who's just going to sit down and say, okay, what's the problem here? And what do you not know about banks? And what do you not know about realtors? And, of course, the home buyer education class is a part of that. That's an eight-hour class. But mm-hmm. outside of that, they need they need to have their hand held some. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so we were, again, lucky enough with grant funds to be able to find somebody whose job it is to, to hold their hand and, and help people become successful um, homeowners. Well, and... Amy, do a little commercial for home buyer education and housing counseling and how important it is, not only to these buyers. I just want to take the opportunity to push that because it's so important to to families who want to buy a home. Well, if you've ever bought a home before, you know that you're signing a ton of documents. And a lot of the times you're like, what am I signing away? Uh, there's a lot to know and there's a lot of information. and Some of it is out there false information. So when you come to a HUD certified housing counselor like Steve's staff and like my staff at United Housing, they sit down and they look at um, where are you now in your finances, budgeting, where's your credit, where do you need to be? And so then our staff will sit down with them and work with them through uh, uh, work plans, uh, through a mortgage readiness evaluation, and then get you on that path. Because it's it's important because um, 
there's a lot to learn and and it, sometimes it takes uh, a year to get somebody where they need to be to get into the mainstream market to get uh, a bank that would be confident enough to lend them a hundred thousand dollars to to buy that house or or whatever so uh, home education is really important because they go over the importance of of credit they go over your budgeting they go over how to work with a realtor how to work with a lender and then um, after you've bought your home uh, what do you do then? You know, home maintenance, budgeting for home maintenance, staying out of foreclosure. Uh, all of this is is, is an important thing. Because if you're renting from Fraser CDC and then you buy the house, you can't call Steve <laughs> right. when That's right. if you Pipe buy it burst. from him, he won't be your landlord anymore. Right. So Steve, you know, one other thing on that. Sorry, but you know, I don't know the stats, but I'm guessing an awful lot of people that go through our classes actually have owned houses before and lost them. During the last mm-hmm. 15 years. Yes. So they're gun shy. And really what we're doing is is giving them the education that everyone, including them, wishes that they had the first time. So they can tell a good loan from a bad loan mm-hmm. and, and et cetera. Um, so we're, we're trying to prevent uh, uh, future disasters, exactly. can I say. Mm-hmm. Well, and Steve, I've seen many of the homes you've renovated. And probably people don't. When I moved here, I didn't realize that... Frasier is sometimes a neighborhood that people joke about. Sometimes. <laughs> and, and um, but having been to Frasier many times and, you know, the homes there are nice. They're yeah. not these two little two-bedroom, one-bath shotguns. I mean, some of the homes you've done are three, four bedrooms, two baths, wood floors, brick. And I know you have a lot of renters in those homes, but it sounds like you've, you're converting some of them to homeowners. So just talk about that mm. a little bit because that's must be must be great, must make you feel great. That's one of the things that feels really good. Um, that said, you know, we got out of the practice of selling houses after the collapse of the mortgage market, which was yeah, in 08, I'd say. Um, and we're, we're really now just getting back in the swing and what we're finding. So here's another obstacle is um, people actually generally don't want to buy a, th- a three-bedroom, one-bath house. They rent just fine, but you know, probably sixty percent of the houses in Fraser are, are three and ones, and um, it's it's difficult to sell those. One of the nuances we found that it's easier to sell them if it's on a busy street. Who knew? But you got more traffic, and actually, people say it may, they may feel safer there on a busy street. Um, whatever, we're we're trying to figure out how to sell the three and ones, the three and twos, and the four and twos uh, go go pretty fast. The, the other thing, while I'm talking about what's gratifying i mean i had this whole cycle of emotions yesterday i went and looked at a house with with my housing guy josh and it was just one of these rank houses that almost makes you pardon me but almost makes you want to throw up i mean he actually said don't go in that room just don't go in that room okay and you've seen everything (laughs) and it's full of an old guy's stuff who i was grateful it was the winter time because otherwise i'd be covered up in fleas because it had animals and and unlike that and i said oh how the heck are we going to do this but then we actually ran the numbers and had a contractor in and we figured out we can do it Mm -hmm. so this is a rank little house in a perfectly decent neighborhood with tree limbs coming through the roof and all of this stuff and just full of an old guy's stuff and um when that house is is clean and shiny because our favorite contractor is going to do it 
that's going to feel real good. Now, can I sell that? Maybe not. And it's a three-in-one. Maybe it's just a rental. But that's still a tremendous. Well, we're just happy to be doing that. Well, and it's getting rid of blight and occupying the property. That's a whole other subject. Well, that's yeah, a great service to the surrounding houses and the surrounding owners that are there. Yeah, and yeah. brings up the property value. You bet. You bet. So, so. We have seen the billboards around town. They're not just in Frazier, but, but, I mean, how can what you've done in Frazier be replicated in some of these other low-value neighborhoods? And and then sort of a related question, Amy, what are some of the other good practices you're seeing United Housing or CDCs using and other neighborhoods that are helping? I just how can we impact home ownership even more than we are doing in some of these other neighborhoods? I've I've met with half a dozen other neighborhoods and tried to give them counsel about how they could do this without having to have billboards. I really think a strong community-based organization, it might just be a community association, could put together a comparable pamphlet that says, you know, you can own in Whitehaven or Hickory Hill or Nutbush or wherever we're talking about, and this is how much it would typically cost you. And you're probably renting for 800 and, and you can you can live for a lot less than that. I think that could, I think that could really help. Um, I, I don't think it takes radio ads. Um, I, I think grassroots could could really approach that, and I think these things kind of. I think we're getting some momentum on this. I think we're starting to recover almost as a culture from the devastation of the foreclosure crisis. Yeah. Amy, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, and I think that's partly true. Um, not every neighborhood has a really strong CDC like right. the Fraser CDC, and so there is a disadvantage there. And then, so a lot of the banks feel confident about lending there because you are there. So there are some neighborhoods that may not. St- still may not be seeing some of those mortgages being made. Um, so I, I agree. I think getting with a strong community association and providing that community association or neighborhood association with information about what housing resources are around them. So are they near another CDC? Are they near a, a housing counselor? And I think that's part of why we wanted to bring back the housing counseling network is so that we can look at the round, look at the landscape and say, okay, who's out here providing these financial education tools? Where are they located? And then how can we deploy them <laughs> where uh, it, it's needed and maybe we're not co- in areas that maybe we're not covering? And so United Housing is doing that a little bit in Parkway Village, working with our libraries. Um, making sure that we're aggregating housing resources in physical spaces in community centers and libraries, but also potentially creating some kind of online space where we can have um, all of our housing resources in one spot. You know, I, um, I look at the housing sales data citywide for every zip code monthly. And what the neighborhoods that interest me are those that are like Fraser that are going up fast in value but are still really inexpensive. And there's another, mm-hmm. I wish I'd brought that list, but there's another six neighborhoods like that that are going up at a clip of 15, 20% a year. And if I were a lender, I would be looking to lend in mm-hmm. those neighborhoods because you're going you're gonna to help people buy a house for $50,000, which is inexpensive, and it's going to be going up in value, which makes your loan, your bank loan mortgage right. safer, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and I also think that those are the kind of neighborhoods where the community associations have some real ammunition to say, you buy here and you're going to start doing what we all hoped you would do all along, and that's gain some equity. Uh, and, and most of the low-value neighborhoods are really climbing fast now. It's really intriguing, not just Fraser. That's that's very encouraging. Yeah. So we've only got a couple minutes left. Anything I didn't ask you uh, that you wanna want 
the audience to hear on the subject of homeownership in neighborhoods? Well, I mean, I think if you are in the market and you want to become a homeowner, I think that you need to just go on and, and do it and not to be uh, afraid or, um, you know, ask, you know, uh, Steve or, or myself or Emily, <laughs> you know, how can I, um, where do I need to go to get what I might might uh, need to become a homeowner. So you can always, you know, call us. I don't know if we're supposed to do our plug now or not. Go but ahead. <laughs> you can always call us at 901-272-1122 or go on to our website at uhinc.org. And we have homes for sale and we also provide the home buyer education classes. You know, um, something we haven't talked about a great deal that I'd like to remind of is, uh, again, we're in a really unique situation. Memphis has huge amount, Amy mentioned this, but I'm gonna go into a little depth. We have huge amounts of down payment assistance available. So the, one of the reasons we our houses can be so affordable is we're plugging people into $15,000 in uh, down payment assistance from THDA. Uh, the city of Memphis oftentimes has down payment assistance. They're out of money right this minute. They'll, they'll have some more July 1st, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the lenders have their own down payment assistance. So if, you know, particularly low-income buyers are looking to, to get into a house, they should be talking to their lender about uh, getting assistance so that a $65,000 mortgage can turn into a $45,000 mortgage. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible time right now. It's probably not going to last forever. I'm glad mm-hmm. you mentioned that. And Steve, why don't you tell the audience how uh, potential home buyers can get in touch with Fraser CDC? Okay. Um, I would say call us at 354-2778. Uh, we've got folks whose sole job is to help people get over the hurdles of homeownership and to talk to them about down payment assistance and to talk to them about good loans and to help them find a realtor that they trust and et cetera. 354-2778. Thanks. Or they can look, don't forget, at FraserHomes.com. <laughs> and they can find Amy's information on there too, right? It's not just about us. That's, right. that's yeah. actually takes a village. <laughs> that's a great one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to live in Frazier to ta- to tap into not that at all. resource. Not at all. So it's really been my pleasure to welcome Amy Schaffline from United Housing and Steve Lockwood from Frazier CDC to our High Ground News on the Ground podcast. I'm Emily Trenum. I'm the publisher and been your host today. Please check out our coverage at HighGroundNews.com. The article about recent article about Frazier we talked about and then our regular coverage from our on-the-ground neighborhoods. You can follow this podcast and others from the Daily Memphian and find it on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and other places where you subscribe to your podcasts. Thanks for inviting. Thank you, Emily. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, the Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.